You're listening to a Church Doctor production. Welcome to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. What is the most powerful force to change people, to change nations, to change the world? Is it education, new inventions, armies? bombs, some philosophy? Well, history records the greatest change in the world is the change of people, and the source of that change is Jesus, and that's why we focus on mission. Welcome to Episode 5 of Mission Possible how everyday, ordinary Christians become world changers. That is not just a cute title. That is the absolute truth. It's been proven in history, and there are billions of people throughout the centuries who would attest to changed lives that change countries, that change cities, that change the world. So, in this particular episode... We're going to talk about how God begins this organic mission movement in your church. The first thing we have to do is change our worldview about what happens in church and how it happens. Because this is a movement, not a program. And that's not as easy as it sounds because we are so program-oriented in the church. Programs are top-down, beat the drums, communicate from the pulpit, put up posters, make a big splash, and whoever is interested shows up for the program. This is not a movement. Instead, a movement is bottom-up. It starts with those people who are ready now. Let me tell you a little bit about that. In most churches, there won't be many people that are ready, and that's okay. Jesus started with a few. It grew and grew, and all these centuries later, it's the greatest force that has ever taken place in history. And so, we have to get over some stuff, particularly in America, but also in other places in our world. The culture has trained us to think about the quick fix, packaged programs, and if you just open the box and sprinkle it on people, you're going to have transformational change. Not true. Programs produce transactional change, and it's usually here today, gone tomorrow. It doesn't stick, and there are reasons for that. So many churches have experienced several great programs with little long-term results. Jesus wasn't quick fix. He was here for three years, and he's Jesus, but he changed the world, starting with 12. So here's the deal. We've discovered in our vast experience working with churches that most churches 
focus on symptom solving and fail to deal with the causative issues. So as consultants, we're trained to drill down through several, several uh, levels of issues because you have to get to the issue behind the issue, and oftentimes that's somewhat hidden. You have to dig for it. And then you have to develop strategies that deal with those hidden issues, those basic issues, those foundational issues, and then you see real change, substantive change. A movement, on the other hand, is more caught than taught. So what are we doing here in this series, Mission Possible? My hope and prayer is that it becomes infectious for you, that you catch the spirit, not just the knowledge. If it's just academic and it doesn't change your worldview, the way you look at things, the way you look at yourself when you look in the mirror, then it's a failure. And we don't want that. You don't want it. I don't want it. God doesn't want it. God wants those few people who are ready now, receptive now, contagious now. So this movement concept is more caught than taught. Not like you catch a ball, but like you catch a cold. You see, the Centers for Disease Control, they get this. You can't catch a cold by reading a book about colds or even hearing a podcast about colds, and I know that. You can't catch a cold by attending a conference about colds. So if your preacher preaches about colds, you can't and won't catch a cold. To catch a cold, you need to get up close and personal with someone who has a cold. And a real cold, by the way, is incurable. You can't fix it. You just have to go with it. And it lasts for a while. Well, Christianity lasts for eternity, and it's caught more than taught. And this is also true of mission teaching. And I get that. That's why we don't push people in churches who are not ready, people who are not ready into this kind of teaching. We invite people, and even then, people who think they might be ready, they might be contagious, actually find out that they aren't and they drop out. That's okay. Jesus didn't win everybody. He didn't even win the Pharisees, the, the religious people. Well, he got Paul, the apostle. <laughs> and so, you see, you lay it out there, and Jesus did. And so in this teaching, I'm trying to give you not only academic perspective, but also causative and result-type examples. And that's maybe the most important part. But you have to be infectious first. You have to be ready. Think about this. Why do some people get a flu shot every year? Well, because they need it. But they need it every year because the flu mutates. It changes. 
it becomes what we call a different strain. It's still the flu. So Christianity is still Christianity. The basics of Christianity never change. Jesus is Jesus. He's the Son of God. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. All those things. The Bible is our, our, our direction book. But there are different ways to present it. So that's like a different strain of the flu. And if, uh, if the flu didn't change its strain, it would be wiped out and there'd be no flu. But when you reach other people, other people of different ages, other people of different life circumstances, you have to package Christianity in different ways. And that's what mission is all about. You don't want to inoculate the world from Jesus. So, the flu has learned to change, to remain the flu. And that's what we live with. With the COVID-19 pandemic, we've learned a lot about how contagious individuals can change the way of life. COVID was a bad thing. The good news of Jesus is a good thing. Always was and always will be. So Christianity must continue to change, not the basic elements of the faith. And this is where we get confused. That can't change, even though some churches try to change the teaching, the doctrine, they call it, the key elements of Scripture, the faith in the Bible. But in the delivery system, to get that same truth to different people, we have to change the delivery system to regain fresh power, actually with each generation. And when we don't, we lose that generation or a good portion of them. The last beneficial mutation of Christianity is now in the history books. It is called the Protestant Reformation, and it changed many churches. I only wish that those that say they're part of the Reformation movement of several hundred years ago actually taught everything the Reformers taught our churches would be more mission-oriented and more likely to change. I myself grew up in a Lutheran church. And in seminary, I read where Martin Luther said, don't you dare call the movement after my name. So what did they do? They called it Lutheran. Luther knew. Wesley knew. These guys knew that this is greater these are principles, these mission principles, these biblical principles that work. They do not change. Everything else does. And, of course, when Luther started talking that way, he was thrown out of the Catholic Church, and that was the beginning of the Protestant Reformation. So, reform is necessary. To resist all change is to resist God's refreshment and power for new people. 
in different generations, in different centuries, in different cultures. Christianity, whenever it has been effective, has mutated for its changing world. Just like the flu is still the flu, Christianity is still the basic Christianity. That you can't change or you're lost. Jesus doesn't change. The Bible doesn't change. The truth doesn't change. But the delivery systems must change. If they don't, the good news about Jesus changes from good news to foreign, unintelligible news that others can't understand. Renewal and effectiveness in mission is a movement. You are listening to this podcast because you are ready. If you're not ready, don't listen to it. Wait till you are ready. That's a fact. But you see, many, probably most people in your church are not ready. And you know what? That's okay. A movement starts small with people who are ready, people who are infectious. And that's just fine. We start with a few, and they infect others in their social network at church, people they know, as they share just a little bit of their experience. And then before you know it, it grows like concentric circles, bigger and bigger and bigger, uh, like a movement, like a pandemic, except a good one. As I said, Jesus started with the 12. Changed the world for billions of people. It's just amazing. We want the quick fix. We want the top-down, preach from the pulpit, put up the posters, get everybody involved, which never happens. So here's the deal. You want to give the holy infection of mission thinking to someone, and maybe to several, but get this, it's a one-on-one deal, not a top-down sermon series from the pulpit. If you equip the people in your church to infect others, that is, make mission-empowered disciples, you will start a Jesus epidemic, also known as the mission of Christianity. It's also called a revival. It also starts with renewal of a church. Those are the words they use. Renewal of a church leads to revival in the land. Like a cold, genuine Christianity and the thrill of mission is incurable. It's all about falling in love with Jesus. And not just loving Jesus for me and my family and who cares about the rest of the world. No, it's falling in love with Jesus and his mission to others. It's sharing his love with others, using the biblical mission principles that are effective. You know, this mission teaching is not new. It is New Testament. And you can see it from the book of Acts on the rest. After Jesus empowers the people with the Holy Spirit, you can see that movement all the way through the rest of the New Testament. So, here's the way to understand it. The key to powerful outreach is in returning to New Testament 
culture, not just New Testament knowledge, but the New Testament culture, the DNA that fired those people to make enormous sacrifices, learn phenomenal new ways to share with other people. That's what mission is all about. Sadly, since the Reformation, the church has drifted for centuries from biblical culture. Not every church and not every place, but most, to be honest. Biblical culture represents the DNA of a healthy church, which represents the DNA of healthy Christians. It starts small, but as Jesus said, like yeast in bread, it's tiny, you can hardly see it. You put it in the dough, nothing seems to happen. You leave the room, you come back later, and boom, it's a loaf of bread. It's huge. Yeast in bread. You see, there are two results to missions. Like yeast, it grows, number one. And number two, like yeast in bread, number two, it changes everything. This is reflected by Paul in his letter to the Roman Christians in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, where he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by a complete renewal of your mind. What is a complete renewal of your mind? It's the way you think. So, let's focus on how we're thinking. You know, I love 1 Peter 4, 1 and 2. It says, since Jesus went through everything you're going through and more, learn to think like him. Think like Jesus. Peter continues, think of your sufferings as a weaning away from that old sinful habit of always expecting to get your own way, your way. He's saying we need to go Jesus' way, not our own way. Peter continues, then, when you don't expect always to get your own way, then you'll be able to live your days free, liberated, to pursue what God wants instead of being tyrannized by what you want. Oh, that's a powerful statement. The more I've studied churches, the more I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of churches as a consultant, it is so clear. Consumer Christianity has got us by the neck, just, just grabbed us by the neck and choking us, choking the power of God, choking the mission of God. We don't want to give up what we've always done. We've always done it that way. So what is it that God wants? Since Peter says we should pursue what God wants instead of being tyrannized by what we want, what does God want? Well, look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will, not might, not whether you want to or whether it's comfortable, you will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all over Judea, and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. 
So I say to you, when you're finished with this particular podcast, in this in this portion of series, this episode, pray for the Holy Spirit at a new level. I'm not saying you don't have the Holy Spirit now. Of course you do. Or you wouldn't be listening. But say, God, I want more of the Holy Spirit. I want that Holy Spirit to come upon me that I would be more able to be a witness for you in Jerusalem, my hometown, in Judea, my region, Samaria, to people that are different from me, and even to the ends of the earth, wherever you take me, Lord. In Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, we have the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. The word nations there in Greek is pantata ethne, all the ethne, ethnics. In missions, we call them people groups because they're not just ethnically different. We're not talking about Chinese or African-American or Anglos or whatever. The word people groups is all kinds of people. They include your children or grandchildren who are different from young adults and teenagers who may be different from the people where you work or the neighbor next door. All of these people are different people groups which may require a different strategy of approach for sharing the gospel. And that brilliant teaching that comes from Matthew 28, all the people groups, make disciples of all the people groups, that approach is so powerful. So each people group may require elements of different strategies but they all point to Jesus. It is so cool. So, I'll share my story. Because stories are powerful. And Jesus used a lot of them. Uh, they called parables by some people. Most people today that you're going to reach as a missionary have no clue what a parable is. So, you're talking about stories. And everybody has a personal story. Some churches call that a testimony, which is kind of a foreign word for unchurched people also, but that's what it is. Here's mine. I was in high school, and I grew up in a Christian family, and I pretty much resisted Christianity altogether. Not because I was uh, antagonistic against it. I just didn't have time for it. Why? Well, because I was interested in girls and football. I wasn't even interested in school. But the football and the girls, yeah, that's where my heart was. Had to go to church because my folks went to church, and that was part of the deal for our family. But I wasn't a very sensitive listener to my great pastor's great sermons. <laughs> I just wasn't. And I'm embarrassed to say that, but that's part of my story. It'll always be part of my story. It's the truth. In my senior year of high school, I had a great opportunity to play some great football. It was my sixth year in football, so I was really getting it down. I was a defensive end. I like to tackle people. <laughs> I had an injury. guy clipped me from behind. He got 15-yard penalty. And I went to the hospital with knee surgery and spent a good portion of my senior year on crutches. But when I was in the hospital... 
there was a kid my age in the bed next to me, and he had some kind of a breathing issue. I have no idea what it was, but every once in a while, this this young man would just stop breathing. And, of course, that's the problem. I mean, he would die if they didn't catch it. So he was in the hospital, and they were trying to figure out how to help him. So there I am, having had knee surgery. I'm in the bed next to this guy. And my leg's in a cast. I can't get up and move or do anything. And 3 a.m. in the morning, this guy wakes me up because he's gasping for breath. And he's turning blue. So I press the nurse's button. But at 3 in the morning, it's hard to get somebody there in a hurry. But eventually they came and just barely saved his life. And that became part of my story because for the first time in my life, I realized that someone my age could actually die. That's kind of stupid, I know. I should have known better, but I had my head somewhere else. And in that day, I decided to get right with Jesus. And when I returned to church, I talked to my pastor and I said, Pastor, I want to become a minister like you. After he picked himself up off the floor, <laughs> not really, but no matter who I told, especially my friends, they're like, what? My parents were related, but cautious, <laughs> cautiously optimistic. Um, my teachers, uh, yeah, it was a difference. And so I can share my story with people and how Jesus absolutely changed my life, even though I was very resistant. I needed a hit over the head. Oh, yeah, knee surgery. Yeah. There's a, a book that I wrote a few years ago. If you're interested in learning more about story and how to make a story for your church, that book is called your church has personality. Find your focus. Maximize your mission. Let's go on. We were talking about mission culture. And mission culture has five components. And I'll describe these briefly. The first one is values. The culture of Christianity gives you different values. When I became a Christian, my values changed significantly considering where I was at in my senior year in high school. A value is what you demonstrate, not what you think theoretically or confess theoretically, but what you demonstrate is important. Those are your values. If you are learning to be a missionary, God has instilled in you the importance of that. And you'll see more and more of it as you begin to practice your mission teaching. The second one is beliefs. This is what you demonstrate is truth, not what you pretend to think or confess with your mouth, but what you actually demonstrate is truth. Those are your beliefs. You believe the Great Commission? It shows. The third one is priorities. Given all the limitless activities that you can get involved in in this world, this, your priorities, is what you consistently choose 
to put first, to do first. The fourth part of Christian culture is attitudes. This is your posture toward God, how you lean on God, how you connect with God, how close you are to God. That's your attitude. And number five is worldviews. This is the way you understand the world and the way the world works. It's the way you understand the world of the church and what it means to be church, which greatly changes when you understand mission. So, want to learn more? Another book I wrote that is a little more recent might be helpful to you. It is about this culture of Christianity. It's called Who Broke My Church? Seven Proven Strategies for Renewal and Revival. You may be ready for that now. You may be ready later, but you might want to write it down. It's been very helpful to a lot of people. So I want to finish up today by talking about the fact that this culture is shaped, Christian culture, spiritual culture, mission culture, is shaped by a movement, not program, not activities, but by a movement. Christianity is a movement. Jesus was moving all the time. The disciples were moving all the time. People were moving from unbelief to belief. People were moving from belief to mission strategy. Culture, Christian culture, is a movement. But the definition of movement causes friction. Movement causes friction, internal and external. Why? Because it's change. When you move, you change. You change directions, you change priorities, you change worldviews, all those things. And of course, you may have heard the most common words used in a church, but we've always done it that way. Well, let me share seven points before I close. All of these following points may seem counterintuitive, may not make sense, but it's absolutely the gospel truth. Seriously, the gospel. Number one, a movement is bottom-up, not top-down. Regardless of all the programs we force on churches, it is not that way. It wasn't that way in the Bible. And when it's most effective, a movement is bottom-up, not top-down. Number two, culture is more caught than taught. I mentioned that before. I want to list it with these seven issues here. It is more caught from one person to another like an infection. Number three, culture becomes our DNA over time in a process that is a series of events. You don't just become a missionary 100% by listening to one episode of a podcast or a series of episodes. It's just not that way. This is the beginning of a journey. It's a process. Number four, a cultural movement is not about what you do primarily, but who you become. When you look in the mirror and see a missionary, you're going to see, feel, and realize you are yet a different person. And other people will catch that. 
sometimes for good. Sometimes we'll need some direction and explanation and coaching and loving and praying and all the rest. It's who you become. Number five, the cultural movement of Christianity is transmitted like the flu. We talked about that before. It's caught when you get up close and personal. And that's the way Christianity grows. Not a big program, not a big splash. One-on-one, one person sharing with another. Number six on our list is the Christian faith travels best through relationships, not through an organization or institution. The Great Commission was not given to a church, per se, as an institution. It was given to each individual in the church, because individuals reach other individuals, not an institution or organization. So let's say you have a co-worker who is not a Christian, but shows interest. If you get this, your behavior will change. Instead of inviting your co-worker to church, you'll invite her to coffee and talk about who Jesus is for you, what God has done in your life. Instead of teaching that person biblical truths right off the, right off the bat, you will share what God has done in your life to change you, just like I shared my story. It's called relational witnessing. And then on my list of seven, the seventh one is Christianity as a movement can become an epidemic. Epidemic. That means exponential growth. You equip and disciple another person. That person disciples another person while you're discipling the next person. Then it spreads and it becomes exponential in the growth. Yeah, the Center for Disease Control, they understand this. Jesus taught this. The New Testament practiced this in the church among the Christians. The church most of us grew up into has likely lost this. But it can be regained. With that, I leave you. I pray that God will continue to bless you through these teachings as you become contagious and catch what can't be taught, the excitement of being a missionary for Jesus. Until next time, God bless. You have been listening to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. If you've liked this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to hear future episodes. Check out Kent Hunter's new book, Restoring Civility, Lessons from the Master, available at Amazon.com.